Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Matthew 12, 33 through 50. You don't make an apple tree an apple tree by going out and tying a bunch of apples to the branches of a tree. For it to produce apples, it's got to be an apple tree. We all know this, but this is a concept that we're going to see in our reading today. And just to warn you, uh, we're still early on. This is our 15th day in a 312-day journey through the New Testament. We're going to see this idea a lot. Uh, The fruit that comes out of our lives is dependent on what kind of tree we are, who we are on the inside. And so if we want to change the fruit, we have to change the inside. And we'll see this all throughout the New Testament, but we see it today right in our first verse of our reading, picking up uh, kind of, it flows straight out of this idea of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and that controversy. But Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So even that last verse, we don't get sidetracked by the wait by our words. Uh, well, notice the words flow from your heart. Your heart is what will determine your life, and your life is what will be judged. And while this text uh, in these verses doesn't make it explicitly clear, I think when we consider the rest of the Gospel of Matthew even, well, what's the solution? How do I make the tree good? Well, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, right? Blessed are those who realize I need a savior and forgiveness and look to King Jesus, the Messiah, for their salvation. That's how you can make the tree good. Um, And that is something that needs to be clearly seen by us. And we'll see in some other ways. And I think even the next passage goes to show how this points to Jesus, because Jesus is trying to point them to himself. And now we get to this issue of the sign of Jonah, right? They demand to see a sign from Jesus. And especially when you consider all that Jesus had already done, um, It makes sense that he says an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. Um, When you consider all that Jesus had already shown them asking for another sign, man, that, that is pretty wicked. And then he goes on to say, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And it goes on to be very clear in the next verse. He's talking ultimately about his resurrection. He is going to rise from the dead. And I think there's some value for us, even in considering that. Uh, You'll come across people today who will ask for a sign. Well, if God could knock that tree down, then I would believe. 
And I think we should come back in our own evangelism to God has already given you a sign. He rose Jesus from the dead. And I do think even in your apologetics, if if you're feeling, man, I don't know how to defend my faith as well as I should, I would say that that is one tool you need in your evangelistic conversations. I would encourage you drive people back to the resurrection. This is the sign that Jesus has given us, that God has given us, that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is who he says he is. And we know that because he rose again from the dead. And there are actually some legit historical reasons why you and I and everybody should believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead and Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. And faith in Jesus is the only way to make the tree good and then to see good fruit in your life. It's all going to ultimately get back to Jesus. And some of this is what Jesus is saying then to them, right? He is calling them to repentance. Stop your looking for signs and you need to believe in this one who is greater than Jonah and someone who is greater than Solomon, you know, referencing the the queen of Sheba there in verse 42. And another thing we need to note uh, that Jesus says then that is another always principle that will drive us to now is this passage on the unclean spirit. Uh, Now, This will come up again in Luke's gospel, but this passage about the unclean spirit who goes out of a person and then basically uh, brings seven other spirits and comes back and things are worse off than before. uh, In Luke, it's tied to the same things that are said in Matthew 12, verse 30, where it says, whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Kind of this idea of, hey, if you're not for me, you're against me. And I think this passage would warn us against how half measures, right? If, if we, in this case, literally cast out a demon, but there is no faith in Christ and Christ does not then, I guess, come in and dwell in the proverbial house, we're not actually any better off and we'll probably end up worse off than before. And I'd like to speak to this just through, uh, again, it's not like I've been doing ministry for decades and decades, but I've been doing it for a while. And I feel like I see people who come in realizing there is bad fruit. There's bad fruit in my life and they know that needs to change, but they the pattern of their life seems to be, well, I'm going to change that on my own, right? I'm going to, you know, make sure I stop doing drugs or committing sexual immorality or getting drunk and I'm going to do all the right things. And it seems like basically what they're trying to do is uh, tie apples to the branches because when you hear them talk, they're not talking about Jesus Christ and needing a savior and really putting their faith in him. And I would say from experience, I've seen some of those people end up worse off than they were before because there's some sense of, man, I need change. I need to get rid of this wickedness in my life. But when there's not really a replacement of that wickedness with Christ and faith in him, that's a dangerous place to be. And so if we think through one now application of this passage, it really needs to be, you need to respond to the Messiah in faith. 
You need to respond to Jesus like he is telling you to. You're either for him or against him. And so far in Matthew, we've seen him, uh, we'll, we'll see it described various ways throughout the gospels, but let's just stick to some of what we've seen already in Matthew. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Um, those are the kind of people Jesus is looking for. And I think that expresses itself in going to Christ in faith, confessing your sin, turning from your sin, and trusting in Christ as the only one who can save you. And if you're listening to this and you have never done that, um, you need to do that today. And even the one thing I would particularly want to warn you about today in light of this passage is beware of any effort to just, well, I'll make the fruit good. You can't make the fruit good unless the inside is changed. And the only way for the inside to be changed is through faith in Christ and and a saving relationship with him. And that was what needs to happen in your life today if it hasn't already. Now, the last part of our reading today as we wrap up Matthew 12 is a very interesting situation where Jesus is speaking and his mother and his brothers stand outside wanting to speak to him. And Jesus replies in verse 48, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, I don't think the right way to understand this is Jesus is making some, you know, slam towards his family. Jesus, for instance, clearly loved his mother. Even we'll see in the gospel of John as he's dying on the cross, he takes physical, he makes sure his mother is physically taken care of in that moment. So Jesus loved his mother. I think it's more of a statement really elevating the value of spiritual family. And again, this isn't the only verse in the New Testament that speaks to this reality. In fact, what you'll see throughout the New Testament, the most common word used to describe Christians is brothers. The New Testament repeatedly highlights this element of spiritual family. And that is really an, another always principle uh, that we'll see in this passage and throughout the New Testament. Spiritual family is important. And so one now application for you is, okay, how can you prioritize spiritual family? And I do think in our culture, sometimes spiritual family excessively takes a back seat to your physical family. And there is some call to be discerning here because physical family does come with practical responsibilities that can't be neglected. Even you can't be a leader in the church unless you're taking care of your uh, physical family, right? Your, your, your wife, your children, even you know, in some cases, your parents or, or a widow who is a parent. God calls us to take care of our physical family. And again, you'll see that example in Jesus. So this is not a call to, hey, forsake your regular family for the sake of your spiritual family. And by doing that, you know, neglect your responsibilities with your family. As we've already seen in Matthew, there may be times where following Christ costs you some familial relationship, but we are not called to seek uh, 
to neglect our responsibilities that God has given us to our family. But I do think in our culture, sometimes people can even idolize the family and act like, well, unless everything is perfect with my family, I can't do anything to take care of my spiritual family. And I think that would be a shift too far uh, that we really wouldn't be faithful to the idea we get from Jesus here and the scriptures. I want you today to think about uh, people at your church. I mean, Close your eyes even and and look around the auditorium and think of the people you sit near or if you're involved in a small group in your church or or the people that you serve alongside. I want you to think of some of those faces today and and, and look at them in your mind and say, hey, these are, as Jesus said, these are my brothers and my sisters and my mothers, right? These people mean something to me because of the family that we are in Christ. Think about that today. And I think even as you think about it, that will fuel your actions, right? You'll prioritize being at church because this is your family. You'll prioritize serving because these are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. And it'll even prioritize prayer towards other people in your own life when you have that level of care. So again, I don't think this is a call to say, hey, neglect your responsibilities toward your physical families. I think it is a call, hey, how can we elevate our responsibility to our spiritual families? Really like we observe in uh, the, the pattern and the example of Jesus Christ. So some good things to think about today. And remember, nothing we're going to see in our journey through the New Testament is really about us uh, just trying to change the externals. But the big picture is we need to become a new tree. We need a new heart. And the only way that happens is through faith in Jesus Christ. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.